BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Wednesday night edition of the pod, the Warriors for the second consecutive year have taken a 3-0 lead in the NBA Finals with a dramatic win at Cleveland. 110-102, though the game was closer than that down the stretch. Kevin Durant, 43 minutes, 43 points, plus 15. He hit those 43 points uh, on a mere 26 shooting possessions and also had seven assists and 13 rebounds for cleveland lebron james played 47 minutes got a very brief rest at the end of the third 33 points but it took 31 shooting possession to get there so not quite as efficient as he normally is also had 11 assists so i think where i'd like to start here though and we'll talk about the end of the game and golden state's dominance at that point but i think the key to this game once again was just cleveland's defensive breakdown yeah i would agree with you and The Warriors were able to survive an off night from both Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson, partially due to Kevin Durant just having an unbelievably efficient night, including some huge buckets, but also because they were able to get so much at the basket on just completely blown plays that could be or open transition threes they got a a series of those and it harkened back a little bit i think it was in the third quarter to game to the the first quarter of game two where the warriors were slipping screens and just beating the Cavs for easy bucket yeah and jr smith was very often involved in those problems probably the most prevalent cavalier but lebron certainly had a number as well i mean they just had so many times generally the issue was the guy guarding the screener would step up and try to switch but the screener never actually made contact and so when that happens you're getting an easy slip to the rim the guy guarding the ball handler isn't going to switch until he feels contact and so you just ended up getting two on the ball and a guy going right to the rim just so many times and whether it was iguodala whether it was jordan bell whether it was Sean Livingston, even Kevin Durant slipped a screen in and got a layup at one point, whether it was Draymond Green. I mean, it was just a parade uh, to get right to the basket uh, for the Warriors. In the first quarter of Game 2, the Warriors were 9-for-9 nine nine in the restricted area, just in that quarter alone. In the third quarter tonight, 9-for-13. So, yeah, they missed a couple of shots, but this, the story is basically the same. And for those who remember, the Warriors got, I think, 12 free throws in the first half. They only had two in the in the third quarter, but it goes back to something you and I have talked about with Cleveland's defense this entire year, which is sometimes their D is so bad that they're not even in position to foul. Yeah, and that was the case quite a bit in this one. So we got a lot more to talk about in this game, including the end of the game, how Golden State won on that massive run at the end, scoring on 
all six of their final possessions 14 points in their last six possessions but first this from sonos you could be experiencing the nba finals with awesome sound right now with sonos and experiencing that is easier than ever with their up and running service you can select that at checkout if you're in any major metropolitan area and they'll come in and install it for free it's pretty easy they showed me how to do it i i was not exactly confused but what they did is they actually came over and they optimized the sound for all the rooms that we have the Sonos in. Using a, a smartphone app, they're able to actually listen to pulses that the Sonos puts out, hear how it sounds, the way it's bouncing around the room, and then optimize the sound in the Sonos for that. It's really incredibly impressive. My fiance and I have actually been watching some Lord of the Rings since I, we have some nights off now these days with the finals on a sparser schedule. Really been enjoying the sound that the Sonos is bringing. And then when we have social gatherings, being able to just use my voice to control the Sonos instead of having to be buried in my phone is really nice also. So the way to get started with them, go to Sonos.com, select up and running at checkout if you qualify, and then use the promo code DUNK10, a little different promo code this time, D-U-N-C-10, D-U-N-C-1-0 at Sonos.com, and that'll get you 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. This offer is available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. Once again, that promo code DUNK10, D-U-N-C-10, D-U-N-C-1-0 at Sonos.com, and that'll get you that 10% off one order of $2,500 or less. And of course, let them know that you came from us. So the Cleveland defensive breakdown was one. Another thing I wanted to talk about, we'll get to KD's big game too, was we talked about after game two that if the Warriors had a bad start last year, as in that game four, we saw Cleveland put up 86 points in the first half and run away and hide from the Warriors. And I think that game really never got closer than double digits the rest of the way. The Warriors ended up getting blown out and giving up a buck 37 in that game. In many ways, the Warriors actually started this game just as terribly as they did that night, but Cleveland just didn't quite have the firepower to run and hide. You know, they were getting open threes, they hit a couple, but uh, overall uh, on the night finished at under 30%. Again, 29%, 9 out of 31. And without that firepower, without the Kyrie Irving, who, as you'll remember on that night, was 7 of 12 from downtown, they just couldn't quite get enough separation from Golden State. And the Warriors began an inexorable comeback uh, that actually put them in the lead starting in the third quarter. And then Cleveland was able to get a couple of leads later on, but largely it seemed like the Warriors were in control most of uh, the second half. And by the way we do the Twitter NBA show, I find myself thinking more about the big picture early in games. Sometimes when I'm at them or I'm watching just by my by myself. And I mean, we talked because you have these quarter breaks or you have these stoppages. And we said early on, I think it was sometime around when the Cavs were up 16 to 4 which was at, I think, 7.30 mark in the game, that everything was going right for Cleveland. They were defending pretty well. The Warriors were missing some shots. Cleveland was hitting. Yeah. I think Kevin Love had already hit one of his threes at that Golden point. Golden State had three turnovers like on their first right. seven or eight possessions. Curry had and already gotten two just, fouls. That's right. And and so and Kerr kept him in until his, about his usual rest. And so you're kind of sitting there going, okay, well, at that point, you know, things are going about as well as they were for Cleveland. That faded pretty quickly. And then when it was only four, 
at the end of the first quarters, and they're going, oh, well, I see what's what it is. And then Cleveland pushed the lead back up again. I thought that was the better, better resilience they showed was at the beginning of the second quarter. They they were able to take advantage of a lineup that I didn't really love from the Warriors. And then then they, you know, hit some shots and played, played a little bit better defense. And then it got cut down to six again. Kevin Durant hit a three late in the, late in the quarter. I think it was like 1.5 left. And then from that point on, it, it it never felt inevitable until the very very end but the kind of the pendulum was swinging the warriors direction yeah i thought that end of the first half stretch was a key one curry had gotten his third foul dream on green had gotten his third foul steve curry's he'll often do at the end of halves it will be very conservative taking guys out not wanting him to get a foul right before the start of the half although again you you kind of wonder about that because it's like what difference is it getting the foul the last minute before halftime or the first minute of the third quarter but nonetheless maybe it's just a, more of a momentum type of thing going into halftime and so the Warriors were playing with largely reserves on the floor it was just Thompson and Durant and KD just hit a bunch of crazy shots I mean that three that he hit over Larry Nance when he couldn't even see the basket was just completely preposterous uh but I thought Cleveland's bigger problem was just not really being able to score that well during that period and so you're right you know they had led by 10 late in the first half and then to actually give back some points to a unit that wasn't Golden State's best going up against their starters really hurt that's where they needed to push it to you know 12 or 15 points at that point instead they gave back right and with the Warriors you have to take it you have to maximize any advantage they give you Houston you know it was the same story in that series and I, I thought the Rockets did a much better job overall than the Cavs have other than game one and so then you get into that circumstance of like how to how do you get back into it? The Warriors did have that run. I think it was sixteen to seven at the beginning of the start of the third quarter. Cleveland did bounce back from that, got it, you know, got back in contact, which is which is very good for them. But one of the things that we saw, and this isn't necessarily getting into the closing stretch, but I thought one of the fundamental differences between the first half and the second half was that the Warriors just executed a lot better defensively, both on first shot defense and then also on the defensive glass. Yeah, the defensive glass was enormous. Ten offensive rebounds, four. 47% offensive rebound rate for Cleveland in the first half. And then in the third quarter, Cleveland had zero offensive rebounds as the Warriors outscored them 31-23. And Cleveland only had 44 points total in the second half. And I think really one of the big differences was just simply that they weren't getting all those myriad second chances any longer. And when they're not getting the offensive rebounds, then I think the spacing issues caused by Tristan Thompson and Larry Nance in particular start to be more of an issue I, I don't think that they played love at center at all in this game I want to say I think it was either Thompson played 34 minutes and Nance played 13 yeah so basically they might have had one possession with love at center very late in the game when they're already down six after Katie hit that huge three and I think we saw that the lack of spacing started to become a little bit of a problem for LeBron late in the game you can also say that whether it was fatigue whether it was the ankle that he very oddly sprained he just came down in, in a weird way I mean you don't see James usually if he gets an injury it's because like someone else's body part was involved and he sprained his ankle because he stepped on someone's foot or someone fell into him or something this was one of those I mean I can't remember another one of these in his career where it was just a lack of proprioception just caused him to sprain his own ankle coming down when there wasn't like a foot in his way or anything like that and maybe that could be the fatigue finally catching up to him maybe it could be that injury that he suffered earlier in the playoffs 
in game six who knows uh but that was very weird to see from lebron is usually just invulnerable in those type of ways and so whatever you want to say warriors help defense great hands from andre guadala and draymond green fatigue we did not see the same lebron james down the end of these games as we've seen throughout this season and throughout these playoffs i rewatched the last five minutes and what was striking to me was how little LeBron was involved in the decisive action of the play. There were a couple times where he was. I mean, he hit that three off of a third chance opportunity. Then he had one drive that was stopped by Kevin Durant on a nice job, nice bit of help defense. But they were, you know, it was just kind of, okay, Kevin Love, you want to post up Andre Iguodala? We can go to that. And that is not the LeBron James that, I mean, I said after after game six of the conference finals, I said, even if they lose this game seven, LeBron is the MVP of the playoffs. I stand by that 100% of the overall playoffs. But, you know, he took his foot off the gas pedal and the Warriors had more guys to throw at him, certainly, and the ankle and everything else. I can't attribute, you know, it's contributory negligence is probably the legal theory that's closest. I don't know how to apportion what what different things were there, but it certainly was different. And that was striking because LeBron James this year was the clutch, definitive clutch player in the league this year. And then that rolled straight into the playoff. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about the end, but a, a few other notes here. Steph Curry had a miserable game, three out of 16. Clay Thompson and one out of 10 from three. Clay Thompson was four of 11. So seven out of 27 combined for those guys, three out of 15 from downtown. And nonetheless, Cleveland still gave up a 118 offensive rating in this game. Again, it was a pretty slow-paced game as Golden State put up 110. That's better than they had done. But just think of where they could be if... I mean, how many points do you think they gave up in this game on mental errors? Like 30 points? Like, I really... I mean, think of all the buckets that and it was hard in some respects to separate because the they started trapping on the pick and roll and that that opened up a few more seams than it had previously as they weren't going to the switching as much uh especially when love was involved mostly when love was involved well i mean let's start with curry's two baskets late so you mentioned curry you know three of 16 from the field you really want to just get to the end of the game here don't you (laughs) uh no i was just thinking because those were two of the cleanest errors in my head because i rewatched the last five minutes yeah where it was just like fine i'll just reference them and we can talk about later but i mean like a a lot of javel mcgee's plays were just him getting open or Draymond getting open and the defender not really knowing where to be and Draymond throwing it to JaVale a couple of those to Jordan Bell as well and I mean it it, it's just a lot I mean we talked about this a little bit on the show I, I brought up the point that there is a fundamental difference between this Cleveland team and a lot of the other teams that have been noted for flipping the switch and typically flipping the switch is defensive because, you know, it can happen with offense, but generally it's defensive. So, for example, like even the Warriors, they were worse defensively during the regular season. The Shaq Kobe Lakers in the last year of their, the, the third of their titles is yeah. another famous one. The, the, those LeBron those teams Heat had, teams to some degree. LeBron Heat teams. Those teams had a ton of defensive talent and they had they had guys that could execute. The, the difference was intensity and effort. So you knew that that was that's what the switch was. The switch was not making them smart defensively, making them execute a cogent scheme. It was just doing the stuff that they already knew how to do. This Cleveland team, J.R. Smith, to a lesser extent, Jeff Green, Rodney Hood had some good possessions, had some awful possessions. Love, it's not so much for execution for Love. It's just that guys are comfortable going against him. And even LeBron. I mean, I think LeBron's defense in this series has been disappointing to me. And I was thinking a little bit about it during this game about how spectacular he was at the end of the 2016 finals. And then I was remembering like, oh yeah, at the beginning of that series, he was okay. Like he certainly wasn't as inconsistent 
as he has been so far in these playoffs, but it really was that like four to five game sprint at the end of 2016 where he was unbelievably fabulous. Nobody should ever take anything away from him for that. But, you know, this idea of LeBron being in chill mode, he's been a whole hell of a lot closer to chill mode in these finals defensively than we've seen before. Yeah, and he certainly was involved in plenty of miscommunications. Just gave up a Clay Thompson corner three when Clay Thompson just cut oh. to the corner and LeBron just didn't run with him after they had switched. Like, I mean, there there are a lot of plays that he was involved in. Certainly not the biggest culprit. You know, that's clearly JR, but. And a lot of low resistance switches, like insanely low resistance switches by the Cavs in this game. Yeah, I mean, there was one time when LeBron was on KD and uh, late in the game and actually like forced his way over the over the screen a couple of times but but I mean you know low resistance switches they're switching when there's literally no resistance before the contact of the screen has even occurred and that's why they're having so many miscommunications I mean they're so eager to switch that they're switching before a screen has even happened and, and they're just getting slipped behind now that's on all the plays that didn't involve love certainly early and this seemed to put Curry out of his rhythm. I mean, they, they've had success forcing tough games from Curry with these strategies. And now Curry, I thought, got pretty similar looks to what he was getting in Oakland and just, you know, wasn't able to hit him in the first half. Uh, and then KD was going so well and, and all the other stuff was working so well in the second half. They didn't really have Curry, you know, working that much with the ball in his hands in contrast to the first two games. But they actually did change up the strategy. They tried to have Love attack Curry, force him to give the ball up. The Warriors did a really nice job of shorting the pick and roll meaning that instead of curry throwing it to the roll man who had slipped usually that would be jordan bell and was open instead he would throw it to draymond green and because their plan was to have whoever was guarding draymond usually tristan thompson just hang out under the rim they had the easy pass to draymond as soon as the trap took place and then draymond could have a two-on-one going at jordan bell thompson stopped that a couple of times iguodala was involved in a couple times as well by just standing right under the rim uh, but it's still a two-on-one, and, and you know he's not Timofey Mozgov, who was more successful in that role back in the 2015 finals, kind of standing under the rim as Draymond was attacking on that four-on-three. So they gave up a lot of buckets, and, and it took them really you know four or five times of just giving up dunks to Bell or JaVale McGee to adjust and say, all right, Tristan, now you bet, better not come out on Draymond. You need to just stand under the rim, and we'll force Draymond to go all the way to the basket. Um, what do you think of uh, Andre Iguodala's game tonight? He definitely looked limited, and that was even before he, it sounds like he kind of banged knees with Tristan Thompson on the other knee. Right. It was the, the, the contusion is on his left a little bit below his knee, and then this was a, an issue with his right. That's why he went to the locker room about a minute before halftime, and I said that I didn't think he should play in the second half because he was just so limited, and what we saw was that, yes, that was still true. You know, he was still limited, but Iguodala's defense was so important because it allowed Draymond Green to do other things. It allowed Kevin Durant. So, you know, some Iguodal was not on LeBron every single time down a couple of times. They were able to switch. You know, they had Iguodala and Durant sometimes on those love LeBron screens. Yep. And so that way, you know, they're pretty happy with it either way. And Cleveland was settling for love on Iguodala. And so there was these two possessions, which I think was actually one of the key stretches of this game. And Oh God! I just keep on getting into crunch time, don't it's I? It's all right. It's all right. I, I don't really, I don't really have much else. So I, I, we can save. I'll save the rest of my non-crunch time stuff for like the sort of random notes section at the end here. That's what happens when all I rewatch is the last five minutes because then that's that's just what's what's in my head because the, the last thing I watched is that twice. But but yeah, so you had those two possessions where he stripped Kevin Love both times. One time it was called a foul. One time it was not. Both neither time it was a foul. And so. 
I mean, you have those two possessions. The Warriors get Warriors get a, a clean look. I think that was when the Curry three happened. But we'll talk we'll talk about that if we go possession by possession or something like that. So I thought he was important to have out there. And something I speculated about on the like just kind of in the pregame and all that, and I, I think I tweeted about this before the game was the easy assumption to make with the Warriors rotations would be that Andre Iguodala coming back reduces the strain on Nick Young and Sean Livingston, and you know Nick Young only played five minutes in this game, but. The other big play that he comes in, the other way he affects the rotation is that they don't have to use his, their centers as much because they have enough wings to run some more Draymond at center. Kevon Looney did not play at all. JaVale played 14 minutes. Jordan Bell played 12. And really, those were their only minutes. Oh, and David West played five. So that was really all they did with centers. And they have this ceiling defensively that involves Iguodala and Draymond playing together. Yeah, I mean, and Iguodala, it's just, it all starts with his feet being able to get in front of the guy. But because he trusts his feet so much and his anticipation so much, that's how he gets all those strips because he beats the guy to the spot and then he's able to get his arm in, in front of the guy and get the strip. And you're right, that one, that first one on love was clean as a whistle. And I have no idea what the referee who was perfectly lined up with the camera could possibly have seen on that one. I mean, and the Warriors players do maybe get the benefit of the doubt on strips more than they should. But certainly that one was totally clean. And then he was able to strip Love again. Just an incredible play from behind as Green was coming over as well. I don't know if we have to do possession by possession, but we can just kind of talk well, about some let, of the let's plays. Talk a little yeah. bit about Kev, let's talk a little bit about Kevin Wayne Durant. I feel like we should do that before we go through crunch time. I mean, oh, oh now you don't want to talk about crunch time. I see. <laughs> I'm in control of this. <laughs> uh, but, but, I mean, that is the biggest story of this game. I mean, overall, is just Kevin Durant having one of yeah. those definitive performances. I, I, I guess and, we don't want to talk about that as much just because, like, it's so obvious what he's doing. You know, I mean, there's not well, but, a ton so of analysis here, here's the that stat. it's subjective to. Here's the stat I want to use. So only one-third of his made twos and only exactly one-third of his made threes were assisted in this game. So Kevin Durant went five, sorry, 15 for 23 from two overall and six of nine from three on almost all unassisted shots. That is absolutely incredible. Yeah. And you know, some of those, I thought he still, he made more of an effort again to be physical when he caught the ball guarded by a George Hill or a J.R. Smith to get into position, to make it a 13 footer, a 15 footer instead of, you know, a 19 footer, like it often was in game one. But then he also, I mean, so many of those threes too. I mean, just off the dribble. Uh, Kevin Love was switched on to him that one time. He makes the shot, and Kevin Love just like puts his hands on his head. I've actually really been appreciating Kevin Love. I I, I don't know whether it was his public acknowledgement of some of his anxiety issues but he just seems so much more comfortable in his own skin and like i don't mind him just putting his hands on his head like that i mean that was just an incredible shot that kd hit over him you know you're you can you can acknowledge that i think it, you know in the pressers especially uh with our boy mark schwartz going to work again <laughs> this time uh he's been really classy even when he's asked just these completely ridiculous questions uh but, but anyway, back to KD, I mean, it was just, you saw really, it gives you an appreciation for how well Trevor Ariza played him in that Rocket series of just, because really the only way to deal with him is you just get so far into his body that he, he you're so close to him his chest that he like can't even really bring the ball up comfortably you know i mean that's how that's the only way to play him because as you've noted even you know, getting a hand directly covering his eyes as he's shooting a three-pointer isn't good enough because he's just practiced those shots so many times and can get to his spot and it's just completely ridiculous and, and i think you know we've said this a lot of times that you know I, I think steph curry overall is still a more valuable player than kevin durant but 
in particular against the Cavs because he can at least guard LeBron reasonably well. And I thought he did a pretty good job one-on-one against LeBron. He only really got scored on a couple of times directly by LeBron and did a better job of being physical on the switches and stuff. Uh, He's just so valuable because they don't have an option to guard him and he can guard LeBron on the other end and there are other guys who can do some of the scoring also. Right, and I thought he also... Uh, did a much better job in this game as a help defender. Yes, there were times where he yes. just got got into the got into the mix. He blocked a shot with some his of that left is hand. Uh, he did. He's not credited with a blocked shot in this game, but he blocked a shot. Yeah. I mean, that might just be they'll they'll look back and say, hey, that was actually a blocked shot by Kevin Durant. But he, yeah, I mean, he was active. He was also did a better job on the defensive glass, including boxing out on a defensive free throw rebound. <laughs> um, but that was so he ended up credited with thirteen. Now it is worth noting as listeners of this show hopefully know already that crediting rebounds individually can be problematic because sometimes the real work is done by the guy who boxed out like yeah. in this game Draymond Draymond Green, Green. Only two defensive rebounds I mean he he did yeoman's work boxing out at least in the second half the first half they uh they gave right. up a lot the first half no one did yeoman's work yes but but so you have a lot of those circumstances like steven adams and robin lopez are notorious for this that they they do a great job of setting up other guys so but durant did a much better job i thought the warriors as a team in the second half like they had guys one of the big ones you know clay circling back steph curry had a couple of nice ones as well you know it takes everybody really and and that does short circuit transition to a point but I thought Durant did a, lo- a much better job of those kind of mechanical things, which I've always been so interested in him defensively on the Warriors because they have a lot of other guys to put around him. And so, yeah, he did a nice job on, on LeBron. But then when he had other responsibilities, he wasn't sacrificing, you know, wasn't selling out and giving up open shots on the other side. And that's also why LeBron is so hard, why he's so much more challenging for defenses than a lot of other guys who are dominant scorers is because... If you leave somebody that LeBron can see, he can make that pass. You know, like that's the difference between LeBron and Ben Simmons. Like Ben Simmons isn't as dangerous a scorer, but he can probably make that pass. LeBron can do both. So you panic, but he can kill your panic. And so I thought that Durant did a nice job of kind of balancing those just like Iguodala and Draymond did late in the game. A few other notes here before we get to crunch time, which we still haven't yet. Uh, the production from Golden State centers plus Sean Livingston, who also was basically finishing around the room. The Cavaliers, by the way, just gave up a fourth quarter wide open jumper to Sean Livingston after Clay Thompson subbed in because they just didn't know who they were guarding. Although the Warriors had had a couple of those errors in the previous game uh, in the third quarter, but you know that was pretty much inexcusable. And Livingston finally missed a shot, but another four for five game from him. Jordan Bell was four for five. He crushed some dunks, also got to the foul line twice, had two offensive rebounds, and JaVale McGee was five out of seven. So you're you're looking at 28 points from those guys on only 17 shots. And that's really, you know, when that's how you put up a 118 offensive rating and 110 points when Steph Curry and Klay Thompson combined for seven out of 27. And so, you know, Cleveland did a pretty good job on those guys. And certainly Curry, to some extent, if they're trapping him, you know, you're going to have to leave those other guys open. You know, there is a little bit of yin and yang there, but considering how many of those plays resulted just from mental errors for Bell, Livingston, uh, Iguodala even as well, and McGee, you know, that's something that the Cavs would really look back on where they would have to question things. Um, Rodney Hood had a big game for Cleveland. It wasn't 
you know, I, I thought he was very aggressive just in terms of like physically trying to get to his spots. Uh, he has a nice footer game. I, mean, I don't think he, he was 7-11, 15 points. I don't think he shot a single layup uh, and didn't hit a three. So it was really long twos to be sure, but also plays where he was attacking off the dribble, getting into the lane. Uh, still was negative 12 though. And he had a couple of massive breakdowns late. Uh, and he was in at the end of the game as part of those breakdowns. Also with J.R. Smith, they took out George Hill, which, you know, you really have to question I mean, he didn't have a good game. He was two of six with four turnovers and four assists. But just to have one guy who's not going to screw up the switches is like so valuable at this point. I mean, that's like the most important thing they need out there, I think. So, um, all right, but let's do a quick read and then we'll get to the oh, end. Wait, I, I have uh, one more. I have one more crazy stat. Yeah. Uh, this was informed originally by Tim Roy, who does the who's the Warriors radio voice. Not only was this the first Warriors win of the season in a game where Kevin Durant scored 40 or more points. This was only the second win that the Warriors have ever had in a game where Kevin Durant scored forty or more points. What's their record? You know, I think it's I think it's now two and five. Yeah, and, and uh, no, it's two. It's two. It's two and four. Yeah, and generally when he has to go off, it's because either Curry is out or no one else is scoring or something like that. So that's not necessarily a shock. Um, all right, before we get to the crunch time of this game. This from mybookie.ag. You can lay down some money and get in on the action at the safest online sports book in the world. They offer all different kinds of wagers on Major League Baseball, as well as every type of sport and league in the world. When you win, you get lightning fast payouts. You can even create your own player prop wagers using their prop machine. So go check them out now and make sure you use that code CASFACE so you can get up to a $1,000 bonus on your first deposit. If you want to experience Las Vegas-style sportsbook gambling, mybookie.ag is the only place to check out. They also have casino games like Blackjack, Roulette, and Slots. And you can play all their games on your cell phone, your iPad, or any other kind of tablet. With MyBookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. Visit Las Vegas from your couch and try them out to get it. Go to mybookie.ag and sign up with the promo code CAPSPACE. Easy to remember because we talk about CAPSPACE all the time here on the program to ensure that you're eligible for all their future promotions and bonuses. Once again, that's mybookie.ag and use that promo code CAPSPACE to let them know that you came from us. So I think we can pick it up here with Ty Lu taking a timeout, Cleveland ball underneath, 319 left in the game. And this was the first time that they ran the LeBron Kevin Love pick and roll. They get the ball into Kevin Love, post on Andre Godal. And, and I, I really have to question that that's what they went to. Even though Love, you know, results over process, got fouled. He did, actually wasn't a foul. Andre stripped him clean. That's just not an advantage matchup to me. Late in the game when you have maybe one of the greatest clutch players in NBA history and a chance to give him the ball. Yeah, I mean, it's... And especially because Iguodala, like he, the other than him having the propensity of reaching in when he thinks he can get a play, like he's going to generally not do a good job of holding a guy back and not ceding a ton of territory. And love isn't, isn't great in those circumstances. So they got bailed out, got those two free throws to take it from a one point deficit to a one point lead. And then at this point, Stephen Curry had made, I believe one basket in the entire game and I'm not exactly sure what happened. It appeared that what what occurred was that Hood kind of overplayed Curry to to 
come up to the ball. Instead, he went a little bit towards the basket, got Hood on his back. Hood blatantly fouled him. And it's fortunate for the Warriors that they didn't call the foul because they were not in the bonus. Curry gets the ball, still creates separation and gets an easy layup. Yeah, and it was a nice finger roll from Curry. Yeah, he just had inside position. And Draymond Green, who is just so good at operating it. And part of the downside of not really guarding Draymond Green is that he has plenty of vision to just make passes kind of similar to what Rajon Rondo can do at times when he has the ball in his hands and so he was able to find Curry for the the easy finger roll to set up another James Love pick and roll Love tried to post up again on the left block on Andre Iguodala Love tried the spin move baseline and Iguodala managed to poke it away from behind as I think Love thought he had Iguodala beaten and Draymond Green was coming over with help defense so Love was concentrating on him and then uh left the ball behind and Golden State got a fast break there and there was a miscommunication of course in transition defense they just ran away from Steph Curry who as of that time was 0 for 9 on three-pointers and it's marked as a 31 foot three uh, on the play-by-play there's no way it was anywhere close to that part it was pretty much just right at the three-point line but he had all day to shoot it well and why he had all day was because so J.R. Smith and Rodney Hood are the two are are in there George Hill is not in the game that's not a good start and not a good start. And so Clay Thompson is running to Steph Curry's left and Rodney Hood is is shadowing Clay and then J.R. Smith is coming over and Rodney Hood basically sees Curry wide open at the three-point line and takes a step over. But to me, it always looked from Hood's body language that it was a stunt and recover. Basically, he was trying to get Curry to hold up long enough so that J.R. Smith would get over there. J.R. Smith interpreted that exact same action as being, oh, he's going to guard Steph Curry, so I'm going to go guard Clay Thompson. So they both leave Steph Curry at exactly the same time. He has he could take a, a shot as slow as Tabo Cephalosha and still would have had more than enough time. And he just <laughs> drills that three, the only, the only three he made of the entire game and so then the Warriors are up four then a completely ridiculous possession LeBron missed the layup driving to the rim uh, and I think you know that was really the one time that he went hard to the basket during this period and you know I'm not sure whether he didn't have the same explosion he definitely missed some layups late the Warriors obviously are a great rim protecting team JR got the offensive rebound he jacked up a pretty rough three the uh, correct me if I'm wrong that was a pretty terrible shot wasn't it like from the right wing I think it was. Yeah, he it, I don't it, like bounced out to yeah. him, and he tried to like the pump fake. It went to his left and shot it. You know, kind of off. Yeah, balance, that's right. Contested. Yeah, and he, it was. Yeah. And it seemed like the Cavs were in a really interesting mode there. They really, like, JR was like, oh, I have to get a three off. Love got a great offensive rebound after Thompson kept it alive. Threw it out to James, who pump faked and actually went to his right, which is such a hard three-pointer, especially for LeBron, who really doesn't like shooting going to his right. But he drained a three. Again, it seemed like, you know, they really, really wanted a three at that point in time. And, you know, I, I understand maybe it's nice to get a three, but there's two minutes left. They didn't have to push it up, but he, he made it. And then uh, Andre Guadalla broke out uh, a little bit from uh, those old man legs. He did. And so the Cavs just completely lost him on a, sl- I think it was a slip. It was a miscommunication and Iguodala gets it. And I kind of see they're going, oh, well, how's this going to go? Because he's basically been passing off of every shot the entire night, but he had a clean lane and he just goes in and dunks before Tristan Thompson can get there. And it looks to me, I rewatched it like he took off with his left leg, which is the leg that was, you know, he missed these six games to recover from, not the one that he hurt during the game. Got got that, you know, the quick little flight to Germany to get up enough for that dunk that puts the Warriors up three. Yeah, because he had tried to attack into the lane, jumping off of his left leg 
in the first half and, and it looked awful like he was just getting zero elevation like his body was like turning in the air but and the dunk almost didn't go down he still hit the front of the rim just a slight bit but he quick dunked it on Thompson that was just a, an incredible play I think the Cavs were totally unprepared for that but yeah I mean it was just another play where Cleveland didn't really communicate very well um so that put the Warriors up by three and I thought this was actually the biggest possession of the game where LeBron drove into the lane got stopped by Kevin Durant and had to give it up to Tristan Thompson and Thompson when he gave it up to him didn't really have much of an angle he had to maneuver dribble all the way under the rim and then go into a tough contested hook that just barely lipped out uh but that one you know to get him back within one there would have been massive clay thompson did a great job tracking back for the defensive rebound uh, that was another one of those, those that kind of bounced around and thompson was able to get it and then kd in a reprisal of his game three heroics although a little bit different of a shot this time you know they weren't down two the way they were i mean that was a much bigger shot last year than it was this year as lebron pointed out in the presser but he also took it from like beyond 30 feet late clock again it was smith involved in a switch and with three on the shot clock you know maybe you could fault jr for not getting up even further i mean kitty usually doesn't shoot it from quite that far out though and i mean he trained he might have been closer to half court than he was to the three-point line i mean that was out there well there was a stat from espn stats and info that kevin durant had never made more than one shot beyond 30 feet in the same game he made four of them in this game yeah i think they were juicing the stats a little bit i mean i also think they might have been a little uh, bit we've uh, talked about this before that how they market sometimes but he was shooting from a little bit further out overall yeah no that that's definitely true And, and that one i mean that's probably the longest in rhythm like normal shot three-pointer that i recall kevin hitting i mean there's you you could blame jr because it was late clock maybe you should have been a little more aggressive but still difficult to say hey you should have contested the seven footers 33 footer a a little bit better than you did um and that was pretty much it we said at that point that cleveland down six with 49.8 left had to get a three a stop and a three and the warriors ran them off the line lebron made a layup and then cleveland just had no plan after that they had all their offensive guys on the floor but it didn't look like they were trying to foul it didn't look like they were trying to trap i mean at least trap like you you know they're trying to waste time and instead they still managed even after 15 seconds to blow it and give up an easy dunk after oh big surprise yet another miscommunication right and i think there was a big a bigger process error long before that because they were down four not three if you're down three with a you know with 40 seconds to go you can you can try to fight for the possession i mean it's a complicated circumstance because the other team could just foul you know how, how far you want to play it out but they didn't do anything to make the warriors fret about it to, to speed them up they didn't and we've seen a, the uh, warriors actually like get pressured into turnovers in those situations like the they, new orleans they really only have one guy who's like a great dribbler on this team like when he's really being pressured up and, and that's curry and curry you know is still even prone to some soft turnovers over once in a while yeah he can certainly throw some reckless passes and so yeah they they didn't do anything lebron's just kind of chilling out there and even then at a certain point i think it was durant brought the ball up and was close to the half court line and i'm like oh well they they should certainly trap right here nope not really just kind of just kind of chilling and then draymond makes that dunk well uh, and the, the miscommunication goes- beforehand too i mean it was another steph curry slips the screen his man steps up like he's going to try to switch on to kd lebron never feels any contact so he doesn't know to switch they throw it to curry now they had to help off of green in the corner and 
I think I probably would have just let Curry shoot that three because there was still a lot of time left, but Green just cut right to the rim for a dunk, and then there was no one uh, there on the help side to for Green either, where you could at least have fouled him or something. So yet another one of those plays, Danny, where the Cavaliers were too far away to even foul the Warriors. Yeah, and so then that took the lead from four to six, and it was effectively over at that point, you know, was George Hill lost the ball out of bounds, or but they got it back, and you know, it was it was all kind of it was all over then at that at that point, and so yes, it is technically true that a team could come back from three zero. However, I do not believe that circumstance is this circumstance because the Warriors have been the better team, even though two of these games have been close, and the Warriors have two more remaining home games should it make it that far. So it's not over because. That's not the way this works, but I mean, we we know where this is going. Whether it takes three, whether whether it takes a couple, two more days, or five more days, whatever it is. Yeah, and this does not feel like last year, where I mean that that Cavaliers team was so talented. You got the feeling that they could just blow up and run away and hide. Like this Cavaliers team just doesn't have that level of explosiveness unless they're playing the Toronto Raptors, and especially with James having tweaked this ankle now. You know, he's looking a little bit more fatigued. Um, there are some rumors before the game that the Warriors uh, hope to sweep LeBron James out of Cleveland. Uh, I can't remember who it was who had that, but that's something that the Warriors probably would say. And we're getting again some of these, oh, it's all inevitable for the Warriors and like they've ruined the NBA and it's not competitive and blah, blah. Well, remember they just had to win a game seven on the road and they were down at halftime double digits in both games six and seven against Houston and could well have lost that series had Chris Paul not been injured, although could well have won it in five had Andre Iguodala not been injured. We saw what a ridiculous effect Iguodala has tonight. But, you know, I think probably next year, I mean, we'll see how the rest of the league shakes out. But I think next year, I uh, and we'll see what the Warriors do with like their bench and stuff. But if they bring back a similar team and get you know a few more reinforcements on the bench. You don't really make much of a difference. I would probably actually favor the field over the Warriors next year. You know, I think just that Steph and KD will take just another little step back. Draymond probably will, especially during the regular season. You can see them easily not having home court again, which you know could end up adding up. Um, we can talk more about this later, I guess. But now, I mean, really, the only two storylines left are you know is this lebron's last home game in cleveland at least in this cleveland stint you could still see him even maybe returning at the very end of his career as well uh and then who ends up getting finals mvp it looked like it was gonna be steph curry but then kd obviously had this monster game which is probably the biggest performance so far other than lebron's 51 point game one so that still kind of remains in the balance i mean i think if curry has a decent game maybe he'll get it just out of hey he should probably win one uh but if kd clearly outplays him again in game four uh, we could see kd get it again so uh i hope for curry's sake that he wins it just because i think he deserved it in 2015 and didn't get it and i also think he's just been such a good player and the cavaliers that he's had so many effects in these series that haven't shown up in the stat sheets because the cavaliers have sold out to stop him but you know when you go three out of 16 that's not exactly like mr finals mvp you know uh unless you play for the lakers but I, I think that the other part that runs against Curry at this moment, now we'll see what happens in game four and theoretically game five if it happens, is that Durant wasn't great in game one, but he was significantly better than than Curry. I mean, offensively than yeah. Curry was in game three. So that certainly hurts. And Curry's defense, I think, has gotten it's been better in this series, but it's you know, it's not like that's a huge 
arrow in his quiver in terms of the yeah. argument of him. Uh, although it really Kevin did Durant. seem like you know the Cavaliers tried to go after him a ton in the second half, and I thought he held up extremely well. You know, I, I thought he did well. With, and with, remember, with he was in foul trouble him, early, of course, too. Yeah, sure, and that helps a lot. But yeah, I, I think that right now Durant would win. I feel more confident in that, I, and I think I would say that he deserves to win it at this point. And there is this weird argument. I mean, I've made I've, I've made it in other sports before about how you know you can be really valuable even on a losing team and you could make an argument that LeBron has provided more to Cleveland but I think the biggest difference for me this year versus in other ones is just that he hasn't been great defensively and so well it wasn't last year yeah but but last year there was no argument that he should win the MVP yeah I mean when KD put up like an incredibly efficient 35 a game for a team that won in five yeah he didn't yeah so but but going back even you know to 2015 and all that so I you know it kind of parallels for me what happened in the MVP race where LeBron is having a wonderful run I mean this game the fourth quarter maybe it was the ankle whatever it was it wasn't the same guy but he he just I don't don't think necessarily that that it's it to me it has to be pretty clear it is possible but it has to be clear for a guy on the losing team to do it and so far it hasn't been clear enough for me I think he's in the mix but he's not clear enough so they know any adjustments for game four I mean uh, strategically you know I think that they went with more pressure on the ball with Curry I think they should probably stick with that just try to execute a little bit better to make Draymond Green beat them the Warriors uh, though found counters as they usually do which Green not being guarded they were able to get I think it was Thompson uh, an open shot or maybe maybe it was Curry but they throw it to Green and then you know, he can go DHO with one of the shooters because he's not being guarded and get them open. Or he can just, if they're not going to guard him, he can just go screen right away for those guys. But I, I think they should stick with that. And they got to just play Jarrett Smith a lot less, especially now with Rodney Hood, although he had his own defensive errors. But George Hill's got to play high 30s in minutes just because you need someone who can avoid screwing up. And like Kevin Love, for all of his limitations, you know, he had another 20 point game tonight, five offensive rebounds. Uh, he at least doesn't screw up the scheme. You know, Tristan Thompson generally doesn't screw up the scheme. LeBron will every once in a while. George Hill and just like the the Warriors are targeting J.R. Smith. They have his man set back screens. They have his man set screens on the ball and then slip it. And J.R. Smith just screws up time and time and time again. So even having Corver out there yeah Corver's gonna get beat one-on-one it's gonna happen he only played 11 minutes in this one and obviously his shooting has been way off he was 0 for 4 he got forced into a travel by a closeout from Draymond too which was pretty ugly Corver usually doesn't turn the ball over very much he shoots it as soon as it touches his hand but just oh that was one other thing I want to say Cleveland did a much better job of handling Curry running to the corner Yes. And yes. basically, and, and Curry also, we, we saw some of his bad instincts there, including like trying to dribble when he was trapped in the corner and then losing that and then losing the ball out of bounds. That was actually nice help from Kyle Korver on that play. So those sorts of adjustments, I mean, I don't think Hood is going to play as well in game four as he did in game three. It was nice. to It was great to see. I mean, especially with him being a restricted free agent in the near term, but they should be ready for it. I mean, they should be ready for more Jeff Green too, because while JR is willing to shoot the, the ability to attack him and they aren't really running that the Warriors aren't really sending clay around a ton of stuff right now it's a little bit they're not doing as much of the off-ball stuff that could change in game four depending on what what's out there but I think they could go to go to those two guys and I agree with you fully that the more George Hill because he can he could execute and also he gives them another safety valve 
to create offensively if LeBron, you know, he's tired or he doesn't have it, or just because it's late in the shot clock and somebody else has the ball, you know, they can go to some of that stuff that they did late in the series in game seven against Indiana, just George Hill, Kevin Love stuff or whatever they're going to do. I I just think he needs to be on the floor more because he's a capable player. The Warriors also did better against uh, that elbow strong action. Thanks to Dylan Murphy for reminding me what that's called, where they would put the ball at the elbow and then try to screen with a small uh for kevin love coming out of the corner into a back cut or a post up and love had again a couple of nice cuts in this game but not out of that action i think what they started doing was actually having draymond green just topside love which basically means getting in between him and the ball so he can't even use that screen uh and then basically forcing him to the baseline and then just trusting that draymond can keep up with love backdoor which generally he was able to do so uh, i still think they should go back to that a few times especially if draymond is out of the game i also think they should still try to match up love when curry is out as much as possible which they largely haven't done much of uh but yeah i mean just put guys out of there who aren't gonna fuck up you know that's probably that's probably my number one piece of advice to, to, to tyloo he doesn't have a lot of those guys but you know at least like make golden state make great plays to beat you rather than just you know giving up eight layups a game at the rim because you failed to communicate so uh anything you want to talk about here before we depart danny Oh, yeah. So I have a a couple different pieces come out today. My offseason preview for the Indiana Pacers came out and their offseason is fascinating. We'll do it on Dunked On later on. And also I wrote a I formatted it as a QA and a because I thought that was an easier way to talk about Clay Thompson's extension possibilities now that he is ineligible for a designated veteran extension. So I talked about what they could offer, whether it's going to happen, all that all that kind of stuff. And so those are both available at The Athletic. And I can also say that since we are not doing a Dunked On tomorrow night, because we are doing one Friday, we are also doing a Twitter NBA show on Friday night covering Game 4 of the NBA Finals. Yeah, and thanks also to Sonos for sponsoring today's program. You can control music with your voice with the Sonos One. You can even have someone set up your Sonos speakers for free if you live in any major metropolitan area. Just order from Sonos.com and select their up-and-running service at checkout. Right now, you can get 10% off one order order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com when you use the promo code DUNK10, D-U-N-C-1-0. That's D-U-N-C-1-0 at Sonos.com. Offerable for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. Once again, that's DUNK10, D-U-N-C-1-0 at Sonos.com. Let us, let them know that you came from us with that DUNK10 code. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. America. 